Greetings and salutations and welcome everybody to Tom Talks Alive. I hope you've all had a lovely day. We're so glad you could join us, whether you're a regular or a uh, first-timer. excuse me. Either way, thanks again for being here. I'm your host, Heath, the voice of Titanium Mike and Texarkana, if you're familiar with that other underground show we do. Uh, on today's show, I'm joined, as always, by my co-host and space daddy of Southern Tomfoolery, Adam Kelly, as well as our producer and mustachioed tech aficionado, Josh Richards. Uh, say hello to everybody, fellas. Hello. Hey. hey, hey. Hello. Ha 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 ha. As a special treat, both for myself and all of you watching or listening, I'm also joined by the voice of our advance, the inimitable Zach Evans. Thanks for being here with us today, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me. What does that me. word mean? Inimitable means mm-hmm. you can't be imitated. In, okay, got it. Got yeah, it. one and only. The one right. and only. It's one of my it. favorite fancy make Very myself sound smart words. words. Thank you, Heath. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, man. Uh, so, I mean, how are we doing today, guys? What's going on in your world? Uh, it's Monday, you know. It's a, it is it's a, Monday. It is Monday. Uh, the boss is off for like she goes out of town tomorrow for a week and a half so it's going to be a nice easy work week for me so i'm looking forward to that uh gonna be plenty of (laughs) plenty of of, of, uh development happening for the podcast during this week you know (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. on the clock nice i I hope your boss he or she doesn't watch the show (laughs) not this one right right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh uh well i would ask zach what you've been doing but i know what you've been doing i've been um, sick man yeah you and me both uh yeah we, we we had our stf retreat we finally got to meet in person after a year away because of covid and all that which was awesome we had a great time but uh we all or not all of us but most of us ended up coming back sick with something zach and i both had a really bad sinus infection and took like almost a whole week off of work yeah so <laughs> even though we've both been doped up on alka-seltzer and and whatever cough meds and stuff we needed to it's been funny because like me and zach have had some nice like bonding time playing like final fantasy 14 and stuff because we had nothing else to do nothing, i mean what else are you gonna do you right know? it's like at there's least only so much shit on me. netflix yeah <laughs> right. right so it's it's been a weird like combination of like getting to hang out with zach a lot but like we're both miserable we sound like shit on voice chat, you know? Yeah, yeah. But yeah. I mean, just fun. like coughing into our mics and stuff, feeling terrible. But, yeah. uh, you know, we, we got to play by. a lot of a lot of Final Fantasy fourteen though. So For that sure. was really yeah. nice. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, in my world, <clears throat> my sister Destiny just had a baby. Uh, so I'm a, a nephew again, or I'm not a nephew. I'm an uncle. <laughs> I have a nephew. Whoa. Well, you what I kind of a family nephew. dynamics yeah, you got going nephew. on over there? Sorry, I've been reading a lot of Greek mythology. It's like all <laughs> over the place. Indeed. Um, <laughs> no, but she had a she had a baby, uh, a little boy named Parker Tillman. Um, she got to come home from the hospital today, actually. So that's good. Pretty soon I should be able to go see the baby, but because of like COVID protocols and stuff, like you, they can't, you can't have any visitors except the father and all that. So I've just seen the pictures. I haven't seen him in person. Yeah. But hopefully you don't have to wait a year. Yeah, right. Right. Uh, we'll see, I guess. <laughs> uh, but he's a beautiful baby boy. Um, Really excited about that. My whole family, you know, that's kind of all we've been worried about and talking about. 
Um, but nice. You know, I'm just glad she got there. It was funny. She like I called her. I talked to her on the phone like 15 minutes or so yesterday after she woke up from a a much needed nap. I'm sure. Um, and apparently, like she she like you know water broke. She went into labor or whatever, and she like barely got there in time. Like she got to the hospital and 35 minutes later, that baby was out. That's kind of pretty close. Yeah. Yes. That's, that's, that's down to the wire. Like that's also like uh, like. Best case scenario, like very yeah, short in labor, terms of like not having out, it long, you know, right, like yeah. not protracted, just squeeze out a baby real quick and done and done. <laughs> yeah, she's a trooper, dude. I'm proud of her. But <laughs> she she had a natural birth, and like you know, a lot of people are like, that's their thing. It's like, no, I'm gonna have a natural birth, and a lot of people say that until the pain actually mm-hmm. happens. They're like, no, give me the drugs, doc. And like she was like, it was they were cutting it so close. It was like it's too late. Like I'm sorry, you have no choice but to have a natural birth. This shit is happening, right? She was like, I didn't want a natural birth. Like a lot of people do. No. I had, I had no interest in that, but I had to have one. So she's um, got the you know the Medal of Honor now. You know she can yeah yeah achievement yeah. unlocked. Yeah, well, and it's her second kid. So like you know I, I'm no. I've birthed no children. No woman. So I, You're no right, woman. I'm no woman. Um, <laughs> but I, I mean, from what I understand, a lot of the time, like the second one's a little bit easier, and that seemed to be the case for her. Well, congratulations to you and to Desmond. You know, yep. indeed, indeed. Um. So, other than that, and my sickness or whatever, I was gonna say, uh, like I know I had talked about, I started my Lord of the Rings journey, kind of finally knocking that off my bucket list. But I finished the two towers. I crushed the Hobbit and the first two books, and then like I immediately got distracted, and, and I listened to like the entirety of Mythos by Stephen Fry, um, which is just fantastic. I've always had like a casual interest in Greek mythology, which is why I've mentioned it already probably twice. Um, but it's like such a palatable, easily accessible way to like get into those stories in like a linear way. Um, yeah, and then with Stephen Fry narrating it, I he's su- he's just a joy, man. Yeah, he's such does. a delight. Yeah. yeah, he's really great. And I've already got the second one and started it. So once I finish that, I'll get back on Return of the King. Well, Heath, you know I don't think I can talk to you until you finish. Yeah, I I was under the impression that you already finished. I got. Like, Lord of the Rings before we did this. So. I, mean, I thought I that's why we delayed it. Like, uh, yeah, I thought that's why you we. You don't have to apologize to me, is what I'm. Is what I'm <laughs> actually saying. Like, I'm. I'm not gonna like hold your feet to the fire to finish Lord of the Rings or anything. Like, man, you read or listen to whatever you want to. You know. No, that's that's our good buddy Dane's role. Oh, true. true. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure true. he's very disappointed. Uh, but right. I mean, I've been crushing some books, dude. I don't want to hear it. Like, I've read so many books this year already. Just like Man, I've read so one. many emergency management plans this year, bro. I'm talking about a bunch of them, dude. So really crushing it. Huh? Yeah, I haven't read a lot of books. I stare at I stare at like very very dry uh, plans all day every day. You know. Well, I'm proud of you. You want to hear about what what I'm currently working on? Nope. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> We didn't bring you here to talk about that, Zach. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, it's much appreciated. We know that you're doing solid work over there at MEMA, but, uh, you know, I, I think we got to get into what we're here <laughs> yeah. for. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, the first thing we need to talk about is Southern Tom Foolery's uh, news and like sort of month in review. And as I said, we had our STF retreat and that was a, a really, it was just nice to see all of you in person, sit around a table 
listen to some music, get drunk, you know. Weldy and Trevor played um, disc golf. Just have a friendship. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Weldy and Trev played disc golf. I almost came back and beat Adam. Uh, almost. It was close. It was close. I, I, yep. I eagled the last three holes, but it was one shy. Yeah, I followed you guys around for that one. And um, I didn't play, but I just I caught you on the back nine. Yeah. Uh, you hit us up like right, right at the back nine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just like, I don't know. I I didn't feel like going out, but then about an hour later, I was just bored. I was like, Josh was asleep, Emily was asleep. I was like, I'm gonna go find the boys and caught you in the back nine and got to spectate. And uh, I do want to say the most exciting part was when Heath almost came back on Adam right (laughs) at the end. It was, it was like the last three holes. Like, I was like, shit, am I gonna let this eight stroke lead? go you just you know? about did yeah i know i know yeah i was i was really uh excited that i i did so well at the end but i was like i'm super competitive so i was like son of a bitch adam like i can beat you i can do it and <laughs> i was like d- i was like dinking enough, off huh? trees like the, the whole the first nine holes i was hitting every yeah. tree if, that- I, if i had just got the disc in there a couple throws <laughs> earlier i would have beat you yeah, that's right. I mean. That's right. If I hadn't hit the tree every time, <laughs> you're absolutely right. Uh, if Patron- I would have just played better, <laughs> I could have beaten you. <laughs> Patronizing though you are, that is correct. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it was just nice getting to see all you guys again. Like it's weird having a year go by where we're never in the same room, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had yeah. seen like I had seen John. You know, and like I had briefly seen you, Adam, a couple yeah. of times um, in Hattiesburg. Mm-hmm. But like we we had we used to, you know, make a habit out of like every month or two, like a little like that's what we first started calling our STF cons before we actually had an STF con. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it was just us getting together, you know, but, you know, there was some there was productive. Of- yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. And, and that's going to tie into kind of the next point that I had, which is. The game that our good friend Zach here is going to run for us, which we thanks did to announce all of you. Yeah, thanks there. to all of our wonderful and generous patrons. Um, but which we did announce the title for. We we finally dropped the title for the new show, which will be Live and Let Fly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you haven't heard the most recent episode, this will be the first time you've heard that. Then, uh, but yeah, Live and Let Fly. I, I love it. I'm a big fan of it. Um, in typical Adam style, he he presented us with about 35 different name ideas. Mm-hmm. And we all just kept going back to like, no, I think Live and Let Fly like captures it better. Like, well, the, Live and Let Fly was the like AP. the first one on the list. Yeah. And I just kept adding more. But like, all you it did was go just, with your gut, man. You it know? Just, yeah, just solidified Live and Let Fly. Uh, and we also have um, a little bit of, of artwork, right? With the, the new. The new show logo. You got that ready for us, Joe? Oh uh, yeah, it's up for you, bud. Nice. I, I can't oh, tell it's, it's all delayed. You know, I'm I'm so excited for the Dale Earnhardt colored theme that we have for this. <laughs> um, it is just, I mean, those colors just work. Like, there's reasons people use you know black, white, and red all the time. They're badass. Like the white stripes made it happen for their whole yeah. career. It was their entire aesthetic, you know. Right. I, I don't. I don't think about Dale Earnhardt when I think black, white, and red. Well, I think about the white stripes. I, I suppose I'm a little more southern than you are. 
Yeah. Sin City as well. Yeah. yeah. As Sin the, City. The yeah. Real I mean, but they're just, they're just powerful colors, you know, like in, and there's uh, there's hundreds of different things that use that aesthetic and, and for good reason. It just looks good. And I think it sets a good tone, like as differentiating, as, you know, it's a new show. It's a different vibe uh, from the kind of, you know, more space blues and purples of, of the first Southern tomfoolery show that we, we had. Um, and then the colors of the APA, which is more like orange. Orangey, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I mean, so I'm, I'm excited about it. Uh, I'm excited to get to play, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, Zach, how, how are you feeling about taking on the GM chair? I, you know, I, I'm I'm looking forward to it, but I'm also like, you know, a little nervous just because <laughs> I feel like you could have just stopped right then and went, I and said, yeah, all right, I now know how you feel. Yeah, that that's it in a nutshell. Um, the difference is and like I'll just be really candid with you guys. The difference is when I GM'd our Curse of Strahd game, uh, the only people who were watching or listening were us. Right. And this is like you're gonna have a lot of people on the internet that you don't know or you know don't know anything about who will be critiquing your GMing style maybe not to your face but behind your back and uh there's you know there's so much well, the anxiety and dread that goes on with that that's the trick is you just don't you just don't worry about it you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. No problem. Just done. choose to not consider it done. Zach. <laughs> Listen, just don't be sad. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just stop it. Oh, yeah. you have stop depression? It. Don't be yeah, sad. Why are you sad? Stop it. Uh, no, you know, I mean, I, 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 for one, you'll have us giving you feedback if you're doing something really egregious. So you won't, you, you don't have to worry about like blindly charging forward doing something dumb. And yeah, two, we'll stop you. Yeah, we'll we'll catch you on that. And then two, like, man, I, the the people that listen to us, they're about it, dude. They're gonna be good. They're gonna be good <laughs> with it. They're looking forward to it. It's the same crew, you know. It's the it's the same energy. It's just gonna be a different vibe, right? Because you're yeah. you're in the in the driver's seat. But like, you're gonna be you're gonna be just fine, dude. You're well, gonna I- pass your vibe check. You're gonna be fine. I, yeah, I'm. No, it's, it's not that I think that I'm gonna like get in there and just fuck everything up. It's that mm. even if I do well, you're still gonna have people on the internet discussing it and critiquing you and all of that kind of stuff, which is just uh, a different. It is a different monster. For sure. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I will say, and I think you know, Adam and I are in the unique position of like we were in your Curse of Stride game, right? Like we've had you for a, a full campaign as a GM, right? Yeah, and you did a great, year. you did a great job, you know. And we, you gave us the room and the tools to make our characters flourish and be really meaningful. I got really drunk and cried one time, you know. Like, <laughs> was it just so, once? Uh, it was just the once. No. Yeah, I mean, I'm, yeah, that was pretty. So, I'm thinking. I here's what here's how I re- reassure myself. I will never be as bad of a GM as from. So there's only room to go up. You know what I'm saying? If that's the floor. You just you, there, I can only go I up. I didn't have my ham horn pulled up. Jesus, Louise, uh, strike that from the record. Well, okay. the, the point is, is that you'll be fine regardless of that you know what i mean like yeah um, old scat say cut the mic <laughs> yeah. well that's you know there's a reason why we only bring zach onto the show every now every and now then, and you know? Then. <laughs> i know i know yeah uh, he's just too much of a savage dude but that's why i love him yeah well that's what he, see that's why you're nervous zach because you're worried about people like you 
coming at you. That's what <laughs> right. you're really worried about. Yeah. <laughs> and and rightfully so, you know. And, well, and you're worried about people like us. Like, I don't think you're worried about you fucking anything up. You're worried about us fucking things up. Well, y'all are going to, no matter how much prep I put into this, you guys are going to completely derail all of my best laid plans. I would that never is, do that. I would never. Adam, <laughs> there's a precedent for you doing that, sir. <laughs> okay. You've done it before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I, anything that happens bad is just going to, we're going to take out and post. The episodes will be 25 minutes long by the time we get finished trimming down the bullshit. I mean, I'm sure that's what Adam thought too when he started this thing, but like, we don't have any 25 minute episodes well the fuck uppery (laughs) is what makes the best episodes you know what Mm. i mean like that's that's when it gets crazy because it's like all right well y'all done stepped in it now let's see how it goes you know yeah i think i mean here here's the 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 good news for you zach is that you now have a whole table of starfinder players who are familiar with starfinder have been doing it for a a bunch of veterans yeah, I mean, so like, and we've all been podcasting now for two years. Two years, uh, be like two and a half by the time this thing gets started, and like, mm-hmm. so there's a lot, a lot of those early mistakes we've learned from already. You know, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think that you know, to start with, I don't see live and let fly having that first three episodes of. Well, just got to get through those first three and then it gets good type situation. I think we'll be able to kind of get in. through those first 20 episodes of SCF those, and it gets good, yeah, man. Like once you hit episode 45, <laughs> it's really. They really like, hit their stride in the right, 50s. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> just wait till you get to episode 115. That's, that's <laughs> the juice. Until we get to prison Gulta. Yeah. <laughs> Do we really pop off? <laughs> um. Uh, to answer your question, uh, Eric, uh, I will not be starting with a starship combat. I do not. I don't think that's a trend that I want to continue in Fly for Your Die. So, um, no. yeah, yeah. I mean, no. <laughs> what? So what? Can, combat. What? What? Um, is there any little bit of teasers that you can give us? Like what? I don't know. <laughs> you know? Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I did like a whole I did right like a here. whole plot teaser on an episode intro. Yeah, that's a true. A few weeks ago. That's true. I mean like what do you what do you want to know, man? You know, AMA. I don't, I don't know. Well, it's not, we're not gonna do that. We're not gonna open up an AMA. See, old scratch. So the thing is, man, the AP is not really about starships. That might be a little bit of a misnomer because it's really about, you know, a crew of working class space truckers not so much about like starship racing or anything right like it's it, trucking ain't about the truck it's about the journey that's right it is 100 percent. Right. yeah it's about the road it is about the road yeah um well we do have all of our characters picked but we're not going to give you any information on yeah, that you're not you're not getting that yet Mm-mm. but but that was part of what was so cool about the sdf retreat that we had is like uh, that saturday night like we we made a point uh, in, instead of recording an episode like we were going to, we are like, well, if we're not going to do that, let's really workshop these characters and nail it down. And, and it was nice. We spent hours and hours doing that. And and I think I can say for all of us feel a lot better about oh, what we've got going into it. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm 
overall pretty happy with the crew and it's you know started turning my wheels in terms of um how to integrate them in the story and things like that. I will say one thing, what is very convenient about um Fly Free or Die as an AP is that there are built-in narrative hooks for each individual character that ties them into something larger uh within the plot. That's cool. You know, yeah. which which you like you let your players pick which one they want of a list. And that way you don't have to like jump through hoops as a GM trying to find some way to make your player's outlandish character idea work within the plot. Like it's, it's, it's baked right in. So that's really neat. And I appreciate them doing that work for me. It's going to make my job way easier. So yeah, that should be fun. Well, and, and, and it'll just make the the story feel more connected to, you know? And yeah. Uh, we, what's cool is that like, we kind of figured out how, um, how we're going to start in the sense of like the crew and like what that dynamic is going to be to start with. And I think we got a cool idea with that. We got some cool ideas about how we're going to do the, the lead up to the first episode with character introductions and stuff like that. So I think, uh, you know, the excitement is starting to get real and I, you know, we're going to try to get this thing going pretty soon. You know, hideous laughter is, is putting out their new show. So we're, we're definitely going to wait till after they get through their launch to do ours, just out of respect for our, our good friends over there and out of respect for y'all's listening time. Cause they're going to drop like three episodes right off the bat. So we don't want to be trying to smash all that in, but um, shortly after that, you can expect fly free or die to go live. I think, I mean, this summer for sure. This uh, summer 2021 is summer the release date. Yeah. Yeah. Summer blockbuster, really. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say summer is the season for blockbusters. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what we're hoping this thing's going to be. I said, dude, $6 billion opening weekend. <laughs> $6 billion? <laughs> yeah. Jesus. Well, well, if we if we make $6 Considering billion our budget, opening that's weekend, a huge profit. We'll, we'll do STFCon every month. Yeah, yeah, six billion dollar Patreon tier. Yeah, and we'll do Sonics during that too. So yeah, yeah, six billion for sure. We we have to do Sonic <laughs> if we dude six billion dollar Patreon tier. Like I will buy a starship for us to live on. Right, right. <laughs> Let me holler at Elon uh, anyway. Musk. You know, let me get in on that SpaceX. Six for six billion. You better yeah, like BPT said, you better drop episodes every day. Right. Well, I mean, yeah. that's that'd just be our life. Then we could all quit our jobs and then some. Yep. Yep. Anyway, it's never gonna happen. So let's let's <laughs> so anyway, come back to reality. That attitude. We live. We 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 work on fantasies here, right? That's right, true. Right. Yeah. Um, if we didn't have an imagination, we wouldn't be in this business. You're right. You're right. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So I mean, we're all really excited for for what we can now say uh live and let fly our, our mm-hmm. new show uh we're super pumped about it i know um even if zach has a little bit of trepidation about it we all have the utmost confidence in him and that this show is going to be if nothing else a damn good time mm-hmm. uh, so aside from that in terms of like stf news and like month in review I don't, I don't i don't know that it's news per se but it is interesting like we're halfway through the apa arc we are we we hit the halfway point pretty much, uh, according yeah. to Adam. I w- I wouldn't know. Well, y'all y'all at the end of 
the last episode that came out yesterday spoilers they leveled up um and they and they hit 10 and so you know this the aapa is going to 20 so you know in, in the scope of their story we're, we're at that halfway point you know and we talk about it a good bit in the next episode that's coming out i think 117 or whatever but the episode that comes out next week where they're doing their levels up we we all kind of talk about it a little bit as a group but just kind of from an outside perspective you know we're halfway through this thing two years in um and it's been it's been crazy like we've done a lot in the yeah. 10 levels you know like mm-hmm. there's there's been a lot Episode 200 party, Jay Pickle. We're uh, not planning that at all. I'm sure we'll have one. But yeah, that'll that's happen, a long but that's way a away. long ways away. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I'm that's sure like, it will, but that's like, I mean, we're at 117 now. Yeah, yeah. That's like that's good next chunk year of sometime. That might be two years, even. A year and a half, something like that. I mean, we're at 117 now. That's another 83 episodes. You know, fifty-two so a year. A year. It's like a year and nine months. It's it's a ways away. Um, Why would who you knows even what ask the world that question, Jay Pickle? Like. You just broke it, our brains. <laughs> you can't do that. You know we're bad at math. Um, yeah, but you know, halfway through, what what do you guys think about about being halfway through the our first main story? You know, especially as we're about to start up a new one. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of crazy that we've gotten this far, honestly, that we've been doing this as long as we have. It feels weird. It doesn't feel like two years, mm-hmm. you know, but at the same time, it's sort of been long enough that I'm like, yeah, I've always been podcasting a Starfinder show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't. It's, it it's just like, feels it's like, like it's in your life. Of, now. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what about you, Heath? I mean, it's been a, a long, strange trip, you know. Um, uh, I don't know. A lot, lot of highs, a lot of lows, a lot of what have you in the old duder's noggin. Um, I don't know. No, I mean, it's cool. Like, it, it does feel weird, I guess, to think about actively that it's been like two years that we've been doing this, this that long. Um, but I think kind of to Zach's point, like, it also kind of makes sense when you think about it, because like, I think we all like identify so much more now as like podcasters and, and people that put out this show, than you know, the first like six months or whatever, this was all new. And, and we were just stumbling through figuring out how to be podcasters. Um, and we've got, you know, we, we've got a, got a stride and got a routine now, um, which is why we can do a second show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I don't know. It's. I, do you think that the second half is going to go slower or faster? Like, do you think like like? Do it, you think the second half? You're the one who's got all the notes, man. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, but like, I I just wonder. I you know I don't know anything about high level play of Starfinder. We've never done it before, you know. Right. So I don't know if those combats like get slower. It or- like. It comes down to how Starfinder or how the AP deals with high level play, right? Mm-hmm. Like, do you throw a bunch of enemies at us? If that's the case, then yeah, our combats will be probably be longer, if nothing else. But there's also the potential, like, we're so powerful, we're just like crushing people with one hit. 
and maybe our combats are a lot faster you know yeah i mean i know in in like pathfinder 1e it's often talked about that it turns into rocket tag you know so yeah. basically who yeah. can get their nuke off first but i don't know if that's necessarily going to be the case in starfinder i mean we'll we'll see it certainly can be the case because of just some of the some of the spell capabilities that y'all will have and then some of the monster like their their to hits and damages is, is insane you know mm-hmm. like uh, looking at some of these things it's like plus 30 to hit or some shit like that you know it's it's crazy yeah um, i think it's going to be swingier is what i yeah, think yeah yeah i'm curious i'm curious to more see of a how focus on aoe's than single target damage is what i'm predicting yeah yeah well, I know that Devastation Arc has some really, really, it's, it's, it's a bunch of set pieces. Um, particularly the second book, uh, which is written by Eleanor Farron. Um, and I'm really looking forward to taking you guys through that one. The first book is good. It's, uh, it's a lot of setup for the big story, you know? Um, but the second one is like just a series of crazy set pieces. And that's really where that Avengers vibe starts jumping out at me, you know, like, the things that y'all will be doing in that. So I, I think that those might go quicker than like some of the stuff we're doing in signal of screams where there's a lot of investigation. There's a lot of like uncertainty, you know, with, with devastation arc, you'll know exactly what you're trying to do all the time. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, there's not, there's not so much of a mystery about it. It's like these motherfuckers are bad. We got to get them type deal, you know? Yeah. It's more more at that point we're like a SWAT team like go ahead and clear your objectives kind of thing yeah kind of like that we're more like the Avengers I yep. think yep. I mean is. sure you can use more than one metaphor <laughs> nope nope just the one Heath. <laughs> just the one we're sticking to it man <laughs> uh, okay um, yeah I, I have no idea um, that's I'm I'm really excited about devastation arc in particular i mean i don't i don't think that would be much of a surprise to anybody that that's the one that i'm like super looking forward to um but i mean i'm just excited for high level play in general like because we haven't done it mm-hmm. you know i mean we haven't done it even in dungeons and dragons you know yeah i mean we I, didn't do it in 5e i'm still excited for the resolution of signal screens oh, there, we still got a lot more signal screens oh, there's a lot left yeah and it's yeah. it's it's about to get chunky too you know um yeah, they, there's all sorts of goodness left in this. And, and to me, I love the mid range because, uh, mid tier of levels where y'all are at right now, because it's like you guys are super powerful, but it's not, it's not just like completely ridiculous. absurd. Yeah. 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 Not quite deities yet, but definitely superheroes, you know? It's cool. Awesome. Anyway. Any other news? I don't. I don't know that we're superheroes yet. I mean, I would say you definitely are superhero level. I mean, in a world where magic exists for everybody, like the what is a superhero changes. Uh, But yeah, the last thing in terms of the STF news and sort of month in review would be that we did announce our uh, next Patreon goal. Oh yeah, we did. Right, so our our one thousand dollar Patreon goal that seems so high. It feels weird to say, doesn't it? It does. It does. It is weird. Uh, but it would be to make SDF Online an annual event, and it'd just be a one time goal. It's not like every time we hit another 
thousand dollars, you know, you get another STF con. Yeah, like we talked about doing like each X STF con would be like at the a five hundred dollar mark, you know. We'd do this one will be a thousand, the next one would be fifteen hundred or whatever. And we decided like that's just like let's just put it at a high mark now. And then if we hit it, then we're just we're gonna do it every year because we had fun doing it, but it is a lot of work. You know what I mean? A lot of work. Yeah. It was a lot of work, and um, and we and we only want to make it bigger and better as we go. So like, you know, we want to be able to call people in like Jason Tondro or or maybe even other bigger podcasts to come and do panels uh, on on the server and like those types. Of, we want to like really expand the experience, but in order to do that, we have to have like kind of the operating capital to get some of those things to happen. And and it's just got to be, it's really about the time, you know, uh, because holy crap, leading up to that, my entire month leading up to that, that every waking moment that I wasn't playing music in the band, recording an episode or at work, I was working on the, on the con. And so it was Veridux, I'm sure. And, and everybody else too, you know, but so that's where, I, that's why it's so high, but, if we do that, if we hit that, we're going to do it every year and we're going to make it awesome, you know? Um, so, well, and, if, and in terms of like the doing it every year thing, instead of like every $500, like that lends it consistency. Like you mm -hmm. want it to be an annual event instead of like, well, like maybe you, maybe we go up significantly or we go down significantly. We don't want to have to do SDF online. Well, three months after we just did it or wait a year and a half, you right. know, like right. that, that consistency is what makes, you know, events build over time instead well, of. And it allows us to plan our annual schedule right. each year better of like what we're, you know, what, what is this year for STF look like? Well, we know not to schedule anything significant around April because that would be STF con, you know, so. Um, anyways, if, if I, I think pretty much everybody who's watching this is likely already a patron, but if you're not, and you got a couple extra bucks, we'll shill real quick here for that. But, <laughs> and you, you also do get a soundtrack for free. That, that's a new unlisted perk. Um, but that's that secret menu. That's that secret menu. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're, <clears throat> we, I, I think we'd all be excited to be able to do it again uh, on a yearly basis because we did have a lot of fun. Um, and it was a, gr a real growth, you know, kind of experiment for us to see like, can we pull this off? And, and I think it was very stressful leading up to it, but we all had so much fun. And then when it was done, like there was a lot of relief, but also a lot of like pride that we had in like actually being able to pull off something like SDF online. So uh, we all look forward to being able to do it again. For sure. For sure. So our main topic uh, for the for the evening is poisons. Um so poison. 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 <laughs> uh Belbiv DeVoe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so first of all, I wanted to take a second, and I mean, I, I think Adam will probably be able to help me out the most with this, uh, to talk about how poisons are represented in Starfinder and kind of how they function mechanically. Well, poisons are are one of the, um, 
the afflictions, right? So it's right. under the, the category of afflictions where diseases and curses um, kind of live. And, you know, they, they go down tracks, you know, either constitution, dexterity. Um, let's see here. Let me make sure I get this. So like strength poison, there's a dexterity poison in constitution. I mean, there's one for every. There's one for every stat. I was looking at stat. it earlier. I didn't know there was one for every single stat in Starfinder, but there is. I have yet to see a charisma poison, but I haven't really looked for one uh, uh, before. But, you know, like, it's, uh, I don't know. It's it's an interesting mechanic because they they can really do a lot to you very quickly like in a in a very short amount of time versus like a disease which takes kind of days to to manifest for yeah to to fuck you up this shit can happen in a matter of rounds you know um and so every each every poison has a way that you get it whether it's like you know you get cut with something that's poisoned or you ingest it or there's like a, a gaseous cloud you know yeah something. i mean the, the the first line in the poisons uh section uh is each poison has its has a delivery mechanism right, right. so so they they can be very diverse in in terms of that and and there's usually a um like an onset and a frequency so it says you know how 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 long does it last before or how long before it hits you so in the in the case of the black lotus there was like a minute before it started. And so that's why there was a little bit of conversation that happened while y'all were talking. And then I was like, okay, now mm. this is happening. And like, then once it happens, you start rolling saves per round generally with poisons. Cause it's like, they're, they're quick. And, you know, depending on the poison, there's, there is the, depending on the DC that you have to hit and what typically you're rolling a fortitude save, but you know, depending on the type of poison, it might be something else. And, each one has a different cure, uh, cure condition. Uh, but the problem is, is like most poisons, as you go down the track, it gets harder and harder to save against the poison that you're trying to save against, particularly mm -hmm. if it's a constitution based poison. Cause right off the bat, it drops your fortitude save, you know, and, uh, man, oh man, can that get nasty quick? Yeah. Well, and I think that's, to me, probably the most interesting aspect of poisons mechanically is the the track that you're on is that it gets more difficult to save like you like uh, quite often you need to make like two consecutive saves or something like that. Like it's not that you have to save like six times. Right. Mm -hmm. But you've got to do in a lot of them two consecutive saves, which is already hard enough. And it just gets harder every single turn that you don't save. You know? Right. Right. Which I think it's a really interesting and unique mechanic. I know I, I was looking through the poisons and, and most common was like it's one per round for six rounds of mm -hmm. like going down the track. But there's some that are, you know, one per round for four rounds and there's some weaker ones that are only two rounds and stuff like that. But most commonly it's six rounds. So, I mean, if you fail four times in a row, you know, like you've got to get those two consecutives at the hardest point possible to get two consecutive saves. Right. Well, and the thing is, is like the one interesting thing about poison is that it does run its course through you. Right. So at the end of six rounds, if you haven't saved, okay, you don't have to keep saving. 
but whatever condition you're in at the end of that, you're, you're there until you get like medical treatment, you right. know? And um, the, the problem is when that last state is dead. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And you're dead, you're dead. Um, and the thing is, is you also take damage every time you roll on a poison. Like, yeah. Well, and I didn't know until I was looking over this before the show, how the damage was calculated and that it was the DC minus 10. Yeah. And some of those DCs are really high. Yeah. You know, like a 26 minus 10 for, for the uh, Black Lotus. Yeah. So yeah. 16, points, 16 of points of damage every single time. And it's for six rounds. Seriously. Know? So like, even if you don't die, maybe just the damage from the poison itself gets you, you know? Yeah. And or like, knocks you unconscious. And well, so, so answer me that. It, say you were already low on health mm-hmm. and you uh, get the black lotus extract poison and it knocks you out, but it knocks you out two rounds into the six rounds. Do you keep mm-hmm. progressing if you can't make saves? Uh, well, you would make saves at whatever, you know, whatever minuses un- unconscious gives you and you would still take damage. So if you're unconscious, you would lose resolve points. Just it, those would start ticking off. Boom, boom, because you're taking damage during the during the turn right and so if you're dying mm. and you take damage while dying you lose a resolve point um so yeah i mean you could just you could just die outright from the damage you know so so the black lotus i know we're you know we keep talking about that one uh for obvious reasons mm-hmm. the each each poison has a type right so mm. like there's some that are like poison injury so like you got to get cut or whatever but this one is poison contact so that doesn't mean it necessarily has to be ingested like if it's contact i would assume like you could just have it like rubbed on you uh yeah i mean so you know there are specific like mechanics for that i don't have that right in front of me but yeah i think with contact it's basically just if you touch it (laughs) right it's like it's like lsd or something you know if you touch it 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 absorbs into your into your pores and starts messing with you you know um particularly with black lotus i mean it's i think it's often used as like like you as an ingestion method. yeah yeah because it it's easily masked you know right well i only ask because it specifically says contact and then i go down to for example to idmos which specifically says ingested like that has to be consumed so yeah the contact like you can just like it's like poison ivy yeah yeah, it's bad. It's that bad. is terrifying. Uh, yeah, it it, it could have gone a lot worse than it did for y'all when when y'all encountered it. But but is that the only poison you guys have experienced so far in the APA? I know there there's been a couple of diseases you've been exposed to, like filth fever and stuff like that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I don't know. I don't know about um know if you guys have really experienced any other poison than that i think there was there was potential for you guys to be poisoned when you were going through the mines um because some of the creatures there had poison on their barbs but none of none of y'all got hit by it so well so another thing like with the biohacker having come out is like they can specifically like use poisons in their weapons right you can shoot poison Right. I would, I would think, and and obviously this AP came out like before the biohacker came out. Right. But I would think you could, if you wanted to like to really beef up encounters or whatever, you could have like 
You know, some biohackers like start the fight with shooting somebody with poison, like a I weaker mean, yeah. poison. Oh, for sure. I mean, there there's a lot of potential damage that can be wrought from a, a bio, you know, an enemy with some biohacker levels that can <laughs> can shoot poison directly into you. You know, that, that could be really dangerous. Um, I won't say if that's something that will or will not happen, but it's certainly <laughs> a possibility. Yeah. Well, uh, and I mean, the thing is, like, I. It, it comes down to a degree to the economy again, right? Like the more powerful the poison is, the more expensive it's going to be to obtain. So yeah, you have black lotus pulled up. Uh, yeah, I've got it right here. How much is it? It's one hundred and twenty-one thousand credits for one dose. Uh, the, I mean, it just says price one twenty-one thousand, so I'm assuming for one dose. Jeez Louise, that's man. Somebody really wanted y'all dead. Yeah, let's say <laughs> K and Reese spent a. <clears throat> a good amount of money but like honestly you know what's a few hundred grand to get rid of the people who would definitely going to fucking kill you if they right. get a hold of you right you know? right right yeah i mean uh, that's about what you'd spend gearing up a level 10 character yeah because the economy is so jacked <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just being super salty <laughs> Um, but there are, I mean, like more reasonably priced options that can still do a lot of damage. I mean, Blue Winnings is a uh, Blue Winnis is a level seven poison that's only a thousand dollars, and its track goes from healthy to weakened to unconscious. Mm. Yeah, Blue Winnis is 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 definitely a poison that I've seen about. You yeah, know, like it's a little bit which more it's common. it's a one save cure though. Yeah, yeah, mm. it's a little bit easier to to fight against you know yeah but um, it's good bang for your buck if they can't save against it hey it and if you're a gm money is no object hit right. with the black load yeah. level three you do, you know you what do I mean? whatever you want yeah you don't you know load up your level one biohacker in an enemy with some black lotus <clears throat> throw it at he's your, well funded every, yeah throw it at your level one they don't know see what happens you know <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they say Starfinder isn't deadly. Well, try that strategy. Yeah, we figured it. We broke it. We figured oh, that's, it out. Guys. Well, I mean, I think Adam had made the comment is like, you know, we've caught a lot of flack for that reputation that Starfinder has, but it's like, okay, that's how it can get deadly. Is like the poisons can be really, really brutal in this game. You know, well, just the just the condition effects in general. If you pile like, and I've, I know I've like beat this horse to death. Uh, in other conversations, but if you pile on status effects and then introduce something like that, it can get so, deadly very quickly. Yeah. It's hard to kill people trading blows in combat. Well, just because, because of resolve. So, uh, well, because of resolve and level one spell of stabilize. I mean, there's just so many ways to mitigate damage based death. You know, mm -hmm. but you can you can kill a Starfinder character. You can. You just got to get critic. The thing is, you got to use blue and black magic when everybody wants to use big green stompies and red, red aggro. You know what I mean? And that white healing. Don't forget. That's mm -hmm. your jam right there. Yeah. That's the shit I got to be fighting against is your <clears throat> stacked ass white deck, you know? Your boy Oren. I mean. Yeah. Uh, uh, Bippy T brings up a good point. He says, does, so does that mean there was half a mil in there? Like to have enough doses to poison as many members of the party as well, that's one thing I'm not sure about, right? Is is like how many how many doses do you get out of one vial of a poison, right? You know, like yeah, when it may work like clips, you know what I'm saying? Like 
like mm-hmm. like ammunition like you get a clip it's got like eight bullets or 12 bullets or whatever so like you get a vial and it's enough to poison four or five people mm-hmm. yeah well and to sir newt's point uh he asked uh he was wondering if they could have sold Oren's undrinking wine for a good bit of credits i think we actually answered this in the episode yeah, but um the poison becomes inert or or no good after you know an hour uh, yeah after hour a short amount of time yeah mm-hmm. Because I think Ziva tried. She to, tried to do that. Yeah, he wanted it. She mm-hmm. wanted to get it really bad. Yeah, yeah. she was thinking ahead. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, go ahead. Uh, I was just gonna say. I mean, that's that's one thing. I obviously hadn't like spent a lot of time looking at poisons. Like my character is not a person who would use poisons uh, that much. Um, but. <laughs> It's funny. I feel like I should have like spent more time looking at poisons and diseases because I remember when we first started the podcast, a big part of why I built Mike as a like very fortitude based character was I was so scared of poisons and diseases because of the glass cannon. Right. Yeah. And I was like, God, no, I'm, I'm getting a good fortitude. But I never went beyond that and like actually figured out what all the poisons were and really how they worked. And now that I've spent a little more time looking at them, like I'm really impressed by like how diverse they are and how how many different poisons there are and how how different they each function, you know? Yeah, I, I just like that there is a track for every single stat and they all have yeah. different scales, you know, whereas like your constitution poison, healthy, weakened, impaired, debilitated, unconscious, dead. But a dexterity poison is healthy, sluggish, stiffened, staggered, immobile, dead. And a charisma poison is healthy, weakened, impaired, pliable, catatonic, dead. Yes. So, like, in each step of that is a different thing. You know, it's not the same sort of negative effects all the way up the track for every right. one of the stats. Right. They all have different effects. Some of them, I don't know, I think um, could be really interesting the way they 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 turn out you know like like your intelligence poison track uh the fourth the third step yeah or, or yeah right uh is animalistic mm-hmm. you know so like you just like lose all of your intelligence and your ability to rationalize and stuff like that really really interesting um to see how that might play out yeah I yeah mean, it, it could really really fuck up a party's mojo you know if somebody just like, I don't know. Well, and then, and then wisdom, lost all the all their intellect, you know, and they were like an intelligence based character. Imagine if Oren or or Kuiper just lost their wisdom and intelligence scores. Yeah, well, uh, the wisdom is is also really interesting because it goes to confused, which confused is like you'll just attack your party members, maybe mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. That's the truly chaotic one right there. Um, but yeah, they're they're really cool. And and I like that they, you know, I mean, they're diverse because real life poisons are very diverse. Like not all real life poisons work the same. Some affect you like gastrointestinally, and some affect you uh and and you know are paralytics or whatever. Yeah. Uh, they suck talk- though. They do suck for sure. Um I wanted to talk a little bit about how they're used in, in the story, right? So, like, I was doing a little, I did a little bit of research this time because usually Heath comes in here with like a shit ton of research and makes us all look stupid because he's got like all this really like I mean, philosophical I, stuff. I did, I did have a paragraph written, but all right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, like, I'm, I'm ahead of you this time, and I, I was, uh, 
just about how poison is typically used in like the literary scope, you know, like it, it's often used as a symbol, like the, the character who's using the poison is often poisoning their environment. You know what I mean? So like the one that I read for, as an example is, is Hamlet. So you motherfucker. Well, I got you. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so Claudius, uh, you know, if you don't know, Hamlet's about revenge. Um, and <laughs> Hamlet is getting spoilers for Hamlet, everybody. Right, right. Spoilers for Hamlet. Watch out. Uh, it's it's about a man's struggle to try to make himself commit revenge, but yeah. Okay. Anyways, see, like this is this is what I'm talking about. Like this is what I'm talking about. That's, that's <laughs> Hamlet's like my favorite Shakespearean. Part. I know, I know. I'm just trying to do a quick summary. So the 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 son, his uncle kills his dad. Hamlet finds out from a ghost that it was poison. And so the whole rest of the play, Hamlet is losing his mind and becoming more and more consumed with revenge to the point to where he drives everybody else around him crazy or to death. Um, and then at the end, like basically Claudius, the uncle kills the entire Danish court with poison because he's afraid that Hamlet's going to do it. And it's just a, it's a that, huge yeah. mess and like everybody dies. And so like this invading army that was coming comes into a court full of dead people who are all dead by their own hands, you know? And, and so the thing is, is that Claudius with his initial poisoning poisoned the kingdom, the Danish kingdom, like completely, you know, on a, on a symbolic level, right? Like everybody, like all the important people of, the Danish royalty started losing their minds and in causing the downfall of their kingdom. And that's typical through poison being used as a weapon. It's usually representing somebody who is also a poison to their environment, you know, not just the person that they're killing with the poison, but like they're poisoning something greater, you know, they're, they're corrupting something. And so in the case of our story, it's interesting that, the poison is coming from somebody who is corrupted, who has corrupted everything he's touched. And is trying to corrupt his entire planet. Right. Especially the galaxy. Right. Right. And that there's somebody behind him poisoning him, you know, like, Mm -hmm. so, so I just thought that that's, it's, it's interesting that that's how poison came in, that it, that it wasn't necessarily just some like creature that had poison tentacles or something like that. Like this was a very deliberate use Literary of, device. Poison, of poison. Yeah. I think so. Right. Yeah. And I think it's appropriate for Kaon's style. You know, he's, he's going to do everything he can to not get his own hands dirty uh, going up against the APA. And I mean, he's got the money for it. Right, exactly. He's just going to throw money at it until he runs out of people he can throw money at. We're going to get him. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I don't know. You you messed me up pretty hard here, yes. Adam. <laughs> I, was, I was planning on doing the intro to this section, and you, you threw it all off. Now um, you know what it's like to be a GM. I mean, I, I have GM. I know. Just not but... much. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, so, but I mean, the kind of point I was going to make is that people in general, particularly in terms of storytelling, but also the stories that are history, even even though they're real, like we've always had a sort of like dark fascination with poisons as people, 
Um, and as I said, they played a major role in our history, our literature, as you brought up with, with Hamlet. But I mean, they go back to the beginning of like, as long as we've been telling stories, poisons have been a part of that, those stories, right? I mean, in Greek mythologies, Heracles poisoned his arrows by dipping them in the blood of a hydra. Socrates in actual life was forced to end his own life by ingesting hemlock. Uh, Hamlet, which I was going to bring up, there's four different instances of, of poison being used in Hamlet. It's a lot. Really interesting. Poison is, is a theme of that oh it's massive like, yeah you know it also seems to be and to, to go back again a, a nobleman's tool you know what i mean like like it's like a tool of the aristocracy to avoid well i mean that's more I think that's more a, visceral violence see that's that's kind of a generalization though because like it can also it's it's often used against the aristocracy but not always by the aristocracy right? yeah but a lot of times it's by other I mean, all, all, aristocrats. All the, yeah, like all the examples you just gave were were basically lords killing other lords or mm-hmm. lords killing somebody that was getting in their way, you know? I mean, Socrates was a philosopher. Right. But also, he, was but he, was also... way, he was getting in the way of the aristocracy. That's why they killed him, you know? Yeah. But, but he like, the thing about that, though, is he like knew he was getting poisoned. Like, he like. He had to drink it himself. Yeah, but like he did it like like a chant. Like he drank it and then like walked through the forum like in like Well he like he died in front of his followers, yeah. Yeah, he's like, look, watch this, you know, and like <laughs> did it. You know, he didn't he didn't go into a room or anything like that. He like in, invited the spectacle so everybody mm-hmm. knew, I guess, kind of what what was being done to him and and all that, but yeah, it's it's, it's, it's interesting poison because like you know, oftentimes it gets said uh, in a lot of, I, I don't know if it gets said like in actual life, but in a lot of literature, you see it being quoted as like a woman's weapon, right? Like that's or, how or, a or a coward's weapon. Yeah, or a yeah. coward's weapon, you know. And I, what do you, I mean, what, is that because you're not looking in the face of the person or as you're saying, Zach, it's a less visceral or uh, a violent? Well, yeah, because you don't have to actually get your own hands dirty. That's what I'm saying. Like, where is... There is the trope that exists, I think, in a, 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 among multiple cultures throughout history of like honorable combat versus dishonorable combat. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whereas right. honorable combat would be uh, you, you know, have a duel, pistols at, at dawn or whatever it be like you're facing your opponent. They know you're facing them and you're engaging them with them being aware that you're engaging them and they can engage you back, you know, whereas poison except in the case of Socrates, I guess, is is an assassin's tool. It's something that's used to take somebody out uh, while they're asleep or unaware or, you know, with no chance of, of recourse, right? So right. so that's why it's considered a coward's weapon. For a woman, as, as a woman's tool, I guess, I would say that's probably because, um, you know, maybe... Well, because, because all of our literature comes from the the traditions of the past, which come from combat societies, and women weren't allowed to do combat. Right. Yeah. Well, that and like also the gender norms of the past, uh, where where the wife was cooking the meal for the husband, and that's how she kills the husband. Right? Is through mm-hmm. the food and everything like that. Because you know, so there's like a lot of like kind of, I guess, icky connotations with that now right that it's a women's woman's weapon well that's because well that's because it that was written by a bunch of icky. men who said yeah. that this is what women are you know uh, <laughs> yeah. so not not entirely accurate but it's also used um 
you know, and this is a little bit of a touchy subject. So I guess a quick trigger warning about suicide, but it's very often used in, in literature as a tool for, for that, for, for, (coughs) excuse me, for ending one's own, own life. And that, in those instances, it's often used as like a poetic device, right? You know, you think about Romeo and Juliet kind of being the most, the forefront of your mind example. It's very Shakespearean tonight. Well, I mean, it's poison, you know, (laughs) (laughs) he he was a fan. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, like, so it's interesting too, that, that, that it's used in that way a lot in literature too. So I don't know. It's, it's poison is a strange thing because it's, it, it seems so innocuous until it isn't right. Like it, it yeah. it's not a sharp blade. It's not a bullet. It's not a big mall. You know, it's just a droplet of something, you know, that doesn't even have a scent oftentimes, you know, and it yeah. can just kill you. Like, well, and it's it's the kind of thing that like if, if you're just like in passing, poison gets brought up, you you there are such strong associations in terms of like assassination and things like that, that you're like, oh, OK, like poison, boom, I have those associations. But then there are so many different ways and different like um, symbols that have been attached to it in, in very creative ways um, in literature and then also really like manipulative ways that it's been used in real life, like the, the Jonestown Massacre. You know, which is a much more recent thing is like having a, a a charismatic leader convince a bunch of people to willingly ingest poison, mm-hmm. you know. There's it, it's or, just a, or uh, with the um, the Rajneesis who tried to poison the buffet right in the town. That For was a political gain. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's it's, it's a, a tool danger- of cults. <laughs> it's a cultish tool. Well, and it's a thing that can really be. Because it's so sneaky, it can be really used to like widespread damaging effects, you know? So, I don't know, man. Poisons, they're dangerous. They're rough. I don't ever want to be poisoned. Have y'all ever been food poisoned? Yeah, it sucks. Oh, God. Yeah. That is the worst. Like, it's horrible. It really is. The worst. It's it's so bad. Like, and and, and that's, that's my only experience with poison. I've never, well, you know, Sir Newt brings it up that alcohol is also poison, well, but I would just call it an intoxicant, you know, like. Well, it, it's funny. He, he brings that point up. I was going to uh, bring it up as well uh, in looking up like poisons or whatever. Like there is the, the common, uh, not even in jest, like but common expression that like poison is in the dosage, right? Like anything can be poisonous in a high enough dose. Like yeah, you eat too many can, bananas, you, you can die. Drink too much water. You, no, that's that was the up. example I was going to use. Oh, is, we're just ahead of you. Water, we're just right? boom, boom, boom. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a great example. I mean, like if you drink enough water, it will kill you. Right. You know, so like All right, this is unrelated. I've been kind of monitoring chat here. The real Jay Pickle says better Chipotle than Cadoba. I, I disagree. I disagree. Cadoba's better. I don't Fight know. Me. I've never had Chipotle in my life. Anyway, uh, please continue. I'm sorry to interrupt. It was important. It was important <laughs> to me that we clarified that. Yeah. Uh, um, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> derailed. Yeah. STF uh, community, <clears throat> civil war. Yeah. Well, it's eight o'clock now, so I guess they're that's all, where we're going to end it. Gonna <laughs> start, they're all going to start poisoning each other. I'm so proud of you, Zach. So proud. thank you. Yeah, I uh, you know learn from the best, Josh. 
So, so before we go to our intermission, like, I mean, it's poisoning you. Okay. Cool. Your jets, man. Uh, (laughs) I was just going to ask, like, uh, we've talked a lot about literature and, and, and poisons in literature as a plot device or whatever. So, do you guys have any other like notable examples that really have stuck out to you in your, you know, history of watching movies or TV or reading books that just like when you think of poison, that's the example that you think of, you know? I mean, I said mine with Hamlet, so. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, Hamlet, I think, is the most classic. Romeo and Juliet's another good one as yeah, well. I mean, Shakespeare in general is, I associate poison with a lot. You I know. wonder if Shakespeare wrote a lot of poison deaths to avoid having stage combats. Possibly. It's an interesting. It's a very efficient <laughs> stage death. And it can saying. be very dramatic. You know? I mean, yeah. but he also did stage combats. I mean, Romeo and Juliet had big well, stage combats. Well, in Hamlet, actually, the way that Hamlet got poisoned he poisons by, by a blade. combat. Yeah. Yeah, it was by <laughs> combat. With Laertes, yeah. He's yeah. like, I got it. We'll use poison to avoid stage combat. All right. Right stage combat to apply poison. Involving poison. <laughs> I'm a pop in and say the Princess Bride. Oh, the Princess yeah, Bride that's is right. that's no, it's such a that's a fun example of poison, yeah. right? Like a very comedic example, which is not often how poison is portrayed. Right. Uh, I the, you know, Game of Thrones. That was that's the yeah. the two that pop up to me immediately are the red, uh not the red wedding, uh the purple wedding in Game mm-hmm. of Thrones. But then one that sticks out to me that I don't think people really I ever hear talk about but it it was so unnerving because i watched this movie when i was a lot younger is in the sixth sense the parents that are like slowly poisoning their kid over time by like pouring like uh drano or like cleaning supplies in his soup oh god you remember that in the sixth sense and like they, that out. <laughs> he, find, he finds out from like one of the ghost kids or whatever that's awesome. terrible that it is, is terrible, terrible. But that's why it sticks out to me so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think, I think the Purple Wedding is really great, great like visceral, like you. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, and, and that's that's why I kind of yeah. wanted to ask, particularly with like TV and movies, is because like reading about it is one thing, like seeing, you know, the effects of a poison on the screen, if it's well done, is a whole different visceral yeah, like, experience. I was cheering when Joffrey died from the poison. When I read the book, like I was just like, yeah, 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 yeah. On the show, like it's fucked first up I was, and then I was like, Ugh, Ugh, "This Ugh, sucks, yeah. Ugh, like this is yeah. awful. Like I don't want. I'm not. I'm not cheering right now. This is this is rough to watch. Yeah. You know, for sure. Anyways, yeah, you guys hit us up with your most depressing examples of poisonings. <laughs> yeah. uh, for real though, we do have Zach on on the hot seat. So any questions you got for him, listener questions, uh, be thinking of them. We'll be taking them. Here in a little while. Mm-hmm. That's right. But yeah, so we're going to take our uh, our intermission. And when we come back, we're going to talk about one of the Starfinder Iconics. Neat. Yeah. And uh, also, listen closely to the end of the music that's playing, because uh going to get the first taste of the Live and Let Fly theme. Nice. nice. Yeah. <laughs>
Welcome back for the second half of Tom Talks Alive 5. <laughs> uh, the obligatory excited Tom Talks Alive. Alive! Alive! Everybody give me one. <laughs> give me a lives in the chat. Yes, um, get, all, yes get them a lives in the chat. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, we talked about poisons in the first half and some of the goings on um, for the podcast in general. Uh, to start off the second half, we were going to talk about one of the Starfinder Iconics. Um, but before we get to who that is, let's talk a little bit in case people don't know about what are the Iconics, right? Is this a new segment, Heath? It, it I would like for it very much to be a new segment. It may take us a good while since these are once a month and we might not do one every month. But eventually I would love to do, you know, kind of a, a small exploration of every one of the Iconics. And so, so far there are 10 of them. I imagine there will be more as new classes come out. Sure. Yeah. Um, so, but first. guarantee that. Right, right. <laughs> I, 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 I will damn near guarantee it. Uh, but first of all, like I said, let's identify for anyone who might not know what an Iconic is, right? So the Iconics are basically characters that. Paizo has made for Starfinder um, who exist in the, in the lore are, are in Canon characters um, that are examples of each class, right? Like they, they, the biggest thing is that there's one for every class in the game. Um, They, they may or may not have like overlapping um, races and stuff like that, but every one of them is a, is a different class. (laughs) What are we drinking to? Oh, my beer. beer. Oh, sweet. Well, I just finished my beer and I don't have another one on me. Uh, so that's a fail. Um, <clears throat> I'll dab to it. Uh, but yeah, so so the Iconics are a really cool kind of experiment for Paizo to show like what they would do with the character, you know, like or what a good example in their eyes uh, of a class would be. Well, it's See, kind of I like thought, their lore. It's like kind of their lore versions of their class. Right, right. It absolutely is. Yeah. I thought it's just a stand-in really for PCs, right? Because the iconics appear in all of the art, right? Like in, anytime you, you have an AP um, and there's a scene that they want to depict in art, the iconics are the party that gets depicted. Right. So in your in your mind, you could certainly sub them in as the the players that are going through an AP, although in canon, that is not the case. It does not say in the canon of any of the Iconics that, like, during the events of this AP or whatever, this right. happened. Like, they just have their backstory, and you can can imagine that as you will. Um, I will say, I, I don't know how many other people may have uh, experienced this, but um, they have Starfinder on Amazon um, that you can, if you just really on need Alexa, to Alexa, basically? On, yeah, on Alexa. Um, and I've played, uh, I think five out of the six of them. Uh, and it's pretty cool little sub in for, if you don't have, you know, any TTRPGs to play that day, but you just want to get your fix, you can hit up your Alexa and be like, Alexa, let's play Starfinder. And you get to pick one of, I think, six different iconics to, to play as. And it's, it's like a kind of a, a microcosm of what start playing Starfinder actually is like it's it's you and like one other person is the party as opposed to a big four or five person party and um dead sons is what they have out but it's it's not nearly as long as the actual dead sons ap would be you know you can get through the whole thing in probably like you know eight or ten hours 
or something like oh, that. Wow. Yeah. All six episodes, but it's a it's a condensed version, right? Mm-hmm. And and but you can you know you roll dice for skills and and combat and all that, and um, it, it's a good. It's a fun little experience, but if you're expecting to like it be an actual experience of playing a TTRPG, it's only going to be a half measure, right? Mm-hmm. But I say that because you get to play as some of the iconics if you do that, right? Um, which, which is very cool. I played the first time I did uh, Obazaya, who is the Vesk the soldier, Vesk, right? Yeah. right? Uh, but I've played four different characters now with Starfinder on Alexa. Uh, but so... The iconics, yeah, like like to Zach's point, you can kind of sub them in in your mind. All the artwork is uh, with them because they need to do artwork with somebody, and they're not going to imagine what your characters are. Uh, but yeah, they're they're essentially the Paizo's versions of those classes. That like here's what here's an idea that we had of what a soldier would be, or what a biohacker would be, or or whatever. I think a lot of um, the fiction too centers around them. You know, like the the little short stories that they write and everything like that. I think that that they are oftentimes from a perspective of one of the iconics, and like I don't know. I think that they they actually do exist in the Starfinder world in in the sense that they have gone through the APs. You know, I in in my mind, I think the iconics eventually go through the APs. You know, um, and like. I don't know. I, I it they they I mean they're the examples used in the core rule book, right? Like that when it does an example of gameplay, it's using the those iconics as the examples of the of like, Sure. I, but you know, I yeah, I mean I'm just saying I think that's that's kind of a a matter of interpretation. Like I, I don't think they've like officially said like every single iconic went through every single IP. Well, right? yeah, they, they don't. It's there's no reason to officially state that, right? Because then you lock in like a thing. But I, I guess what I'm saying in my mind's eye when I read an adventure path for the first time, I think about I think about the iconics kind of going through it, like if I were reading it like a story. You know what I'm saying? You know, because the first time I read through, I don't read it for mechanics. I read the adventure just path yeah. What are what are the goings on of the right? AP? And there's no protagonist. You know, um, yeah. I mean, they're good placeholders in terms of that, right? Okay. And they're and they're in the artwork, so like you can very much imagine them going through these these different situations. You know, and then you start thinking about all right. So what are how are my players and their characters can handle it and all that. But like, I think, I think the iconics do exist in the, the kind of greater Starfinder universe. Lore. No, they, they absolutely do. I just think it's kind of an amalgus thing in terms of like trying to put a pin in like what officially happened. Right. 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 Um, I think BPT just said, I don't think everyone does, but I do think each AP has a set iconic party in terms of the art and stuff. So they have the same. Yeah. They have. The yeah. Same. It's the same for, Right. Iconics. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they are all, they're iconics. Like they're all, uh, your assumption is that they're fairly high level characters. They're not level one characters. Right. So it's feasible. No, but there are, there are like level one versions, level four versions, level seven versions, and then like level 13, I think, because you can use these in like society games. So, so, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So they, they have like the different tiers of each iconic. 
Um, I think they have them built all the way out to 13. They might have them built all the way out to 20. I'm not sure about that. So I don't want to say, but like they do have them in different stages of, of their progression. So you would see like what they would take as they continued, you know? Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and I mean, they're, they're very cool in that regard. I'm not sure what the official, what Paizo says they did or didn't do in the lore. What's more interesting to me is like what they, you know, what Paizo chose to do with each class in terms of representation, right? Like how they chose to interpret each class. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of more the angle that I'm going for. If we're going to be analyzing briefly, like each iconic. Right? Sure. Sure. But let's so, talk about one. We are that. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you for that segue that I was going to get to already. Uh, <laughs> the the we're gonna do and and that's part of why I wanted to have have you on for this one as well, Zach, because you've played some biohacker. I have. And yes. We're gonna do the biohacker um, iconic named Marsala. Yeah, and it's appropriate because we're talking about poisons tonight. So. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I I like Marsala. <clears throat> I'll just say. Um, I'm just gonna come out and say it. I like <laughs> come out and yeah, say it, man. Just <laughs> I like Barsala. I think she's cool. What my favorite part about Barsala is is that in canon, she is Bill Nye the Science Guy with a YouTube channel. Yes, that's, that's, yeah. that's like she her is background. The, she is the Bill Nye the Science Guy of these of the Pact World. I mean, her show is called Doctor B's Science Jubilee. Yeah, that's the name of her show. Right, it's mm -hmm. awesome. Like I when I read that because I hadn't read the the Biohacker iconic until we decided that we were going to do this i hadn't looked into this one and uh I, I was just like blown away by this backstory you know it's pretty cool well yeah. so be, being a fan of like lore in general that i am like i i've gone on kicks where i like read two or three of the iconics at a time just because they're interesting like all of them have interesting stories so i mean i wanted to take a, a step back a little bit and and kind of figure out who she is from from you know, a more base level. So first of all, she's a Kasatha, right? Mm -hmm. So like yes. the forearmed high forehead, always wear a mask alien race of Kasathas. She's actually one of two Kasathas. The the yes. Solarian iconic is also a Kasatha. His name is Altronus. Altronus, yeah. Yeah. The one thing that I that I wish wasn't the case though, I understand why they do it, is that they keep all the iconics core races. Core yeah. races. You know, like mm -hmm. I would like to see them branch out from that just as they continue to add character classes and stuff like that. But I get it. Like they're iconics, right? They're These iconics. Are... They're not obscures. Right. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but Barsala in particular is, uh, she's a Kasatha. Uh, they all have a, a, a stated alignment as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And she is chaotic good, which I think right. is just, just really juicy for, a biohacker in particular. I think you have to. I think you have to be a little chaotic. Yeah, you're chaotic, good, neutral. To be a biohacker because you know you're not like a physician or a, you are literally fucking with genetics and and you know pharmacology or whatever your study is. Yeah, yeah whatever biology. realm of biology yeah. you're talking about. Yeah, 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 you are hacking biology. You know to to put it right in the nose. Um, mm -hmm. It is not. Oh, <laughs> no! <laughs> you just figured it out. Yeah, proud yeah. of you. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you're you're not. Um, 
You're not going to be sticking, a sticking to established right? sciences. Like, like, you know, the, the, the flavor of biohacker is that you are developing these things. You know, this is like your you're own innovator. independent resource. Yeah. Yeah. You're, right. a, you're a medical innovator uh, willing to, you know, maybe break the rules. And that's, that's, you know, the flavor that I went with. Yeah. Doc Locks. Well, you're you're working outside of like established regulation, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But anyway, back to Barsala. What I think is interesting, and and in 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 her biography that's available online, you can Google Barsala Starfinder, pull this up. Um, she has a prosthetic arm, one of yeah. her arms, and it's like her, a, a her form- lower left arm. Yeah, a, a formative event in her in her life. I thought that. And I'd never seen this really, um, but the way they describe that arm is low left. One word, low left. Yeah. You know, which I thought was really interesting, a, a cool way that I guess Kasathas have high left and low left and high right and low right, mm-hmm. how they talk about their arms. But she loses her low left arm as a child. And um, basically her whole community comes together to help her adjust to her new prosthesis. Well, and to support financially the ability to afford a right. prosthesis, right? Yeah. Kasathas are pretty dope like that. Kasathas are just dope, period. Kasathas mm-hmm. a class I, or a race I really want to play at some point. Uh, but one thing that really stood out to me about Barsala, and, and I like that Iconics are, are very diverse because they're not all lawful good or chaotic good or whatever. There's a lot of diversity among the Iconics. But Barsala is a wholesome-ass Iconic. Like, she is, as to Zach's point, sort of the Bill Nye of the Starfinder universe, like trying to spread education. Jesus. Did y'all hear that? With that little dick? No, the giant. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. That's exactly what it was. A giant truck with a t- tiny penis. Um, but she, like, she's the daughter of a renowned biotechnician and a respected, a respected priest of Talavet. So, I mean, a big part of her upbringing was the balance between uh, religion and science. You know, mm-hmm. and it was. It's also mentioned that, like. Her and during her upbringing, she was allowed by her family to really engage with with these things, you know, and like wasn't shunned from like STEM fields, for example, was encouraged and ends up becoming prolific, you know, uh, to the point where she's she she has, like I said, she has a YouTube channel that's very Basically, popular. Yeah. She has a show on the Infosphere, uh, Dr. B Science Jubilee, as you said, that's where she goes around to different um, planets and things and, and essentially does like documentaries on the flora and fauna there. And it, you know, well, and what's cool. what I thought was cool is that she basically started as a uh, independent vlogger mm-hmm. and like her, her vlog or whatever got picked up by a more mainstream you yeah. know, studio or whatever. And, and it even says in her backstory now that she is a popular program throughout not only the packed worlds, but near space. Right. Like, yeah. She is she's incredibly popular, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah, but it's funny because she st- before she she got to that she was like a highly successful like research scientist, you know, mm-hmm. um, and like was doing really important but like really focused work. Like it says here in her at a biotech firm, yeah, yeah, uh, for this biotech firm, and that she was re- like pivotal in reducing implant rejection. 
you know, something that was obviously very close to her because she got the augmentation mm-hmm. on her arm. And so she was like, made it easier for people to get those augmentations. Like that's her backstory. And she decided that that wasn't enough. She wanted to do something for the community at large, you know, and she's like, oh, I'll, I'll make a couple TikTok videos and we'll see what happens. And now she's like a internet superstar, you know? Well, and, and inspiring like young people to, to follow their passions in terms of not only the, the medical field, but science in general. Yeah. She's like all yeah. about STEM. Yeah, I think one of her strengths that it mentions is that she's able to explain heady scientific concepts in an easy to understand manner, which is itself that's a challenge. That's you know to yeah. eat to eat ELI five, like gravity and magnetism and 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 things like that, um, and especially more advanced scientific concepts that would come up in a a world like Starfinder. Yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. e- explaining like string theory and stuff to, yeah. to kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so Bill Nye, you know, yeah. Is, I mean, she really, like, she really Bill has Nye. that Bill Nye vibe for sure. Yeah. I think she's a very, very interesting character that there's a lot of cool stuff. Well, um, and it's, it's cool to see such an interesting character that again is like so wholesome and like such a, uh, obviously like good person. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, it, it's it's easy to like for the sake of trying to be interesting, be edgy, you know, and to not take that route with a biohacker. I think it is is, a, is an awesome strategy on Paizo's part. But I was going to ask you, Zach, having played some biohacker, so you have more expertise than I do, at least, you know. So I was going to ask, what was your opinion of her in terms of representing a biohacker specifically, like the class? So that's the thing is that when it comes to explaining, um, we're not not explaining scientific terms or whatever. I don't think that that's representative of the biohacker. When it comes to like developing serums and things to help ease the prosthetic you know, adjustment process that is very much a biohacker type thing is to de- be developing new um, compounds and, and formulas and things that will change your physiology in interesting and, and new ways that previously were unknown. And so on, on that side of her, yes, I think she very much represents a biohacker. Now in terms of being Bill Nye on YouTube, like that's not, you know, Anybody could do that, I guess. But yeah, uh, that, not I, I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, not anybody, anybody but not necessarily a biohacker specifically is what I right. mean. Right. right. A re- uh, another kind of researcher. Like yeah. Any kind that. of scientist. Well, so so good eye. kind of to the point that you were making with biohacker that I, I feel like there's a tendency to think of biohackers as working outside of regulation and outside of what is like ethically correct. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like, I mean, but I don't, I don't think, I think she's a good example of that, that that's not necessarily the case. Like you can be uh, an innovator in your field and still be very much le- legitimate and work for legitimate, you know, organizations. Well, there, there's, yeah. You're either have properly funded research or you're doing it on your own. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. So like, that's the, that's where the ethics come in. Like, okay. So is doc doing something unethical because he doesn't have like some like proper government approval and funding for it or you know what about a government funded project that's terrible for you for you know 
all living beings, you know, like what the ethics is not in whether or not it's approved. It's in what the end goal of it is. Right. It's all research. You well, know? but that's, it's, that's why I like Marsala so much is because she's that sweet spot of like, she's doing the <laughs> right things the right way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, cause you know, I played uh, a biohacker for a little bit and, and for him, you know, he definitely went in the like, all right, he studied, science a lot but like on the side he's developing his own neurochemistry you know what i mean like because he doesn't have the funding for it it's not that he's like trying to be like shady or sneaky about he's a good character like you know that's his alignment is neutral good but like when you're talking about doing the types of things that biohackers get the ability to do like you either are like a government scientist a corporate stooge or you're like maybe breaking some laws to do the research you're doing because you just have no other choice, right? Yeah, that's certainly how I play my biohacker, you know, is that he's definitely ethically questionable in terms of, yeah, of I mean, that. You play, you play your, your doctor a, a lot more like ethically gray, like, and it's great, you know, like it, it makes for, for good dynamic, you know, and, and, that you was know. just how I thought he should, you know, when I was yeah. reading about biohacker and everything, like it's like in the name, you know, it's, it's. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of, I guess where I'm leaning is because it's biohacker, like hacking mm-hmm. is generally not a like legal thing that I think the, the inclination is to, if you're making a biohacker, make uh, a character that is operating outside of regulation or outside the law or whatever. And that, that, is why I think Marsala is such an interesting way to to do biohackers because it plays against that stereotype. Yeah, right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's very, it, it, like, she's got a cool backstory. It's not really morally gray in terms of what she does. However, like, I don't know, man, the fact that they're all injection experts, like, you just get that trait as a biohacker. You are literally shooting a projectile weapon loaded with an experimental chemical compound injecting it straight into people's bloodstreams you know it's just there's a vibe there man there's a no vibe there, there absolutely is because it's like it's would you not say a, it was a shakespearean vibe <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you're poisoning people sure yeah well i mean that's the i don't think it's the injection so much as the ranged injection you know, mm-hmm. like, yeah, like yeah, medical professionals give injections of steroids and all kinds of things. But the, the fact that you're shooting people <laughs> from 30 feet away with with injections and they they will always deal damage except to the to the people that you attune to your custom micro lab. Like right. literally the only reason that don't do damage is the space magic. You know what I mean? Uh, specifically, the people that you attune to, like even friendlies, if they're it's, not attuned it's specifically to your custom not magic. I just got to say that because they know. make a point to like say that several times. That it's I li- not I like, magic, you know? I, right. I like to think that it's uh, uh, the degree of care to which you implement your technique. Like the people that you care about, like, oh, I know how to shoot them and not hurt them. People I don't care about, like, fuck them. Fuck them. You, fuck you know, kids. like... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm hoping you're not shooting kids. Well, the the nature of the buffs and the debuffs that you're doing as a biohacker are definitely like manipulating DNA. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, like that in of itself, even if you're like a fully funded, approved researcher, 
you are still doing DNA modification. Yeah. You know, like, and there is always going to be a question about should or shouldn't we do that, you know? Especially to non-consenting. But I mean, I guess like if you're willing to shoot at somebody to murder them, yeah, the uh, yeah, well, the, yeah. the the ouchy injection. Like, yeah. is I draw like the I draw the line with my guns if they're shooting needles. That's <laughs> that's just right. not okay. Yeah. Well, and yeah. I guess that's as far as Bersala specifically. That was kind of a, a question or just like a, a a pondering that I had is like nowhere in her backstory does it talk about being a combatant. Right. Like all of her stuff is like doing legitimate work, but she's an iconic, which the implication is that she's going in APs and being a member of a combat party. Right. Mm-hmm. But that's not talked about at all. But that's because it's a well-written backstory because her most interesting stuff is going to happen when she goes to the AP. That just gives her motivation. She's a level one at the end of that background. And all of her like combat stuff happens when she goes and does an AP. Like that's, that's a well-written backstory in my opinion, because like it gives her motivation and it's interesting, but it's not, it's clearly not like her destiny or what she's, you know, not the coolest thing that's happened in her life. Like because of where she's gotten as a superstar, she's going to get called to go on some mission and get embroiled in some shit and then figure out her combat abilities, you know, like as she goes from level one to 20 and whatever AP she's running that, that month <laughs> <You know? laughs> right yeah right so yeah Barsala. i think she's a really cool character i, I hadn't read about her before <laughs> do we, we want to talk about her like i don't have it handy do you have her mechanical build handy no i don't no i just have her backstory yeah i just tried to download it um but it only has the it doesn't have the um character operations manuals ones on it so right well and i mean like that's i'm not so much interested in that um because like we'd have to take so much longer to do any of these iconic segments to like break down their narrative and then break down their mechanics or whatever i'm more concerned with their stories um and in that regard i think to adam's point she is a well-written character and a very interesting character so it's, it's been nice to be able to talk about her, especially as the first one. And and I would like to do this segment more in the future. So uh, those of you uh, watching or or that will listen in the future, let us know, like, you know, who, what iconics are you interested in? You know, what would you like us to see, like to see us do sooner than later? You know? Yep. Um, we'll, we'll probably definitely touch on the uh, nanosite iconic whenever the official book releases and we review that book, right? So that would be a good time to do. That would be a yeah. good time, but we're going to have a lot of information already. Well, that's <laughs> so, going to be a long episode. Any yeah, of the, yeah. The book review episodes, just plan on those being long, but... Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I think it's, I think we've uh, covered Barsala. Yeah, yeah I mean, go, if you if you're interested in Barsala further than what we've talked about, just Google, you know, Starfinder right. Iconics, and let's go, talk about go it on Discord. Yeah, yeah hit us up. Hit yeah, us up. We, we will it. have a continuing conversation about it for sure. Um. Okay. So let's move on to some trivia questions. Hey, how you feel about that? Ooh, trivia. Yeah. So. Uh, this will be our second trivia in our, our, you know, we do three before we have a reward, right? Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so this is the middle one. We've got Zach on. So I'm going to let Zach do our trivia, uh, which I will go ahead and say is fairly Oren focused. It's entirely Oren focused. Uh, that was, you know, first of all, that was your idea, Heath, to make it Oren focused. I it just was. want to point that out. However, uh, yeah, let's get into it. Do you have the questions pulled up, Josh? I do. Uh, yeah. I didn't write them down. Yeah, I do. So I vaguely remember. What they are? Uh, well, no, I mean I've got them in the uh, in the show, so they're going to pop up, and I guess I'll just read them when they pop up. Josh, <laughs> do you have our standings? Yes, what, yes, I do. Why don't you tell us our standings? All right. So currently, for this uh, set of three, uh, as of episode four, uh, Newt has one point. Old Scratch Johnson has one point. Egg uh, has one point, and I. I'm going to butcher this, but I'm going to try it anyways. Cassacanet Kingy has one point. Who? Yes. Okay. Well, good good job, Cassacanet Kingy. got the point, Kingy. yeah. Yeah, yeah. got the point. Uh, all right. Well, let's Question go. one, as Old Scratch says, who's the best character on <laughs> STF and why is it Oren? <laughs> uh, no, so the real question one, I actually I can read it off and then put it up. Give me just a second. All right. On which planet did Oren confront Evelyn? Ooh, that's the easy question, y'all. Get your answers in. This is, this is the easy question. You got Newt we got saying. Our first, we got our first answer up there, Castrophil. Uh -huh. We got Akaton from Bippy T. Let's keep it going. Everybody get some time. Remember, it's the first two people with the correct answer gets the points. So. You guys got a few. We're on a little bit of a delay here, so it's hard for us to tell. Galarian. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. And Old Scratch Johnson with Acton. That gives us two correct answers. So, Josh, looks like Bippy T and Old Scratch Johnson. Yep. The answer was indeed Acton. Nice. All right. You want to like, like, expound on what we were going to ask? Well, I wanted to ask like the specific region where the mine was, but they thought that would be a little too tricky. So, <coughs> What is it? Well, uh, like, the Adeo Rift. Oh, okay. What is it? I'm sorry, I was talking over The Adeo Rift. The Adeo Rift. Yes, was... it's a massive canyon that spans a very substantial portion of Akaton. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's huge. That was, right. I think that would have been a tough question. Uh, well, yeah, but... I guess so. All right, question number two. This one's a pretty short, simple question. Who killed Oren? Oren, you died? Allegedly. <laughs> oh, it's like I did, but I got better. You know what I mean? Oh, right, right. I got better. I got better. Uh-huh. We got, okay, uh, we got Newt Vance, and Scratch the, answering. The space pirate. Vince from Sir Newt. I'll get him in here. This, this is one the may, may may have been harder. Yeah, this one well, may have been I harder. I mean, it's one of those things that you could have blinked and missed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It was yeah. only talked about in one line, in one moment of an episode. Peter Cup, Peter Buttercup, man. All right. Winner. I think that Sir Newt is he's on the Newt's right on track. the right track for sure. Yeah. I mean. I don't know. We're, we're, I guess we're going to call it here. 
I don't think yeah. anybody's gonna get it. I'll yeah, give Sir the point. I'll give him the point for it. What do you think? That's a, it's your call, Zach. Uh BPT. came in last minute there. Uh yeah, it's Vin, not Vince Vin. or Vance. Your boy Vin. Vance is Orange's last name. Tom yeah, Vance is Orange's last name. But Vinny was the space pirate who shot Orin and spaced him. That's the truth. It is the so, truth. So who gets the points here? Just Bippy T? Are we going to give Sir Newt a point? Can we give, can we give Sir Newt a half point? I don't sure. know. I feel like... Yeah, let's give him a half yeah, point. Sure, so, sure. Maybe a tiebreaker point. Maybe a tiebreaker down the road. Yeah, we'll never yeah. know. All right, we'll give Sir Newt a half point. Bippy T gets a full point. Got it in right there at the end. Uh, we All right. I, I don't think next, anybody's going to get this next, this next question. This next question is going to fuck <laughs> yeah. y'all up. Uh, all right. So question number three. What was the name of Oren's delivery ship? We'll accept one of two answers on this because right. it, it could be. It, it could, could be. Yeah, you could, you could, you could make it a, a case. <laughs> Oren partially killed himself with his own decision. That is, it is not true. Sir Newt. Like, <laughs> normally I would give Oren shit when I can, but that's just not true. <laughs> Uh, no, he was a costume uh, by space egg, pirates. Egg with marine, uh, marine, Bippy T with the slip and slide. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I think this one was a little too obscure. The SS Chuck, I just want to see the answers we get. <laughs> Sir Newt says, I remember it was an Abadar Corp ship. You are correct, that is correct. He uh, might get that other half point, and <laughs> you're right, right? <laughs> Make it a whole point. A full point. No. Uh, the SS Chuck Tingler. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> the Pizza Planet truck. Oh, <laughs> Sounds like you guys got to go back and listen to these flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It has been a while, to be fair. It has. Well, that's why it's the while. hard question. That's why yeah. it's the hard question. The Doctor, the doctor Killer. The Grunt Mobile. <laughs> these are all great answers, but unfortunately, they are incorrect. Josh, do we call it? Yeah, I think we're going to go ahead and call it. Uh, what what say we give uh, Newt that half point though? I'm gonna give him the half point for the Abadar Corp ship. The name of that Abadar Corp ship was um, the Copper Carriage, and then the name of his uh, smaller like dropship vessel that he used was the Sierra Scout. Copper Carriage, Sierra Scout. I mean, we even like <clears throat> named them with the same. Letters, you know, yeah, SS, alliteration, man, you know, like, yeah, they both, they both featured alliteration, sure. Yeah, <laughs> that was a tough question, though. We don't have a bonus question, I don't think, for this, do we? No, no, nope. not, not I didn't come up with one, no, yeah. uh, but Sorry, we did, we, we did give two bonus points, so yeah, two half <laughs> bonus right, oh. one net bonus point, yeah. one net point. Aaron's a Marvel character. It's canon. Not yet. Give me time, though. I'm working on it. <laughs> getting there. Getting there. Yeah. Apparently, you're not superheroes yet, even though you can blind people and heal people. And yeah, but lots of people can do that. No, <laughs> they can't though. Like you guys are at a level that not lots of people are at. You know what I mean? Like there's not tons of level ten mystics running around the pack worlds. You know. Compared to most superhero stories, are based on Earth, where like no one, one but planet those heroes can. One do planet, it. yeah, That's one planet. There's We're like twelve goddamn entire... planets here. We're talking about several universes. There's like hundreds of people that All can right. do that. Anyways, hundreds out of 
trillions, right. if not more. You guys are ra- you guys are rare at this point. At level ten, that's rare. Fairly rare, sure. I love how you two argue semantics. <laughs> Just for no reason. Just it's not even important, but it's not the journey, not the destination. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Truly, truly. Uh, uh, well, now I guess that's that was the trivia, right? Yeah, right. I think we have yeah. a couple of listener questions. Yeah, we don't have a lot of them. It doesn't look like. Yeah, we got a got a got a whopping three tonight. Uh, unless anybody else wants to slip one in right here at the end. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna start out with uh, one from Bipolar Pop Tart. He asks, "What's your favorite poison to have on a Friday night?" Mm, I mean, mostly just beer. If uh, if I'm going in, it's gonna be whiskey. Yeah, I think I I would have the same answer. Same, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, easy. Yeah, I mean, mostly. <laughs> I'll drink. I'll drink a lot of different shit. I, that's the thing. Like, I don't. I have like, no desire to drink vodka or tequila. Well, or like if it's my preferred, like I'll drink what somebody gives me. You know what I mean? It's like, impolite, I, not right. Naked. But like, if I'm unless going it's out, malort. I mean, I even drank that. Yeah, I drank, but like, I drank the whole shot of Malloy. But did you enjoy it? No, you awful. know, but you're not supposed to. You're supposed to enjoy not enjoying it. Anyways, <laughs> if, if I was, if I was, uh, if I'm picking my night, right, it's gonna be beer and whiskey for sure. Like if I'm picking my poison, that's what it is, without a doubt. It's not saying mm-hmm. that's the only thing I'll drink, but if I'm picking, that's what we're drinking. All right, next question from 10 Lawn Gnomes. What's the longest you've kept an ability in your back pocket before using it? Oh, my God. So long. So long. Yeah, I mean, I'll pick up a spell. And there's there's a lot of there's a lot of spells because, you know, you can replace a spell at at, at a level up. Right. Yeah. There's a lot of spells that I've taken on Orin that I never used and I just traded out because there was never even an opportunity for me to use it. Um, I can't think of a specific instance where I've been like really sleeping on something or, and whip it out on it. I know with five E with my Druid, I, I pulled off that kind of shit a lot more. Uh, I think we had, what was it? Meld rock or stone that I well, pulled out on Adam. The thing is about five E and I, I guess like even any fantasy RPG is that, you have access to so many more spells, you know, than you do in Starfinder. Starfinder, the magic is a little, little limited. Right. You know, and so like, I'm pretty aware of what your characters can do because like your spell list isn't that long, you know, mm-hmm. and it's spells and you're taking the same spells over and over again, just leveling them up, you know? So like, okay, I know you can Mystic Cure and I know you can Mind Thrust and I know they've gotten stronger, but I basically know how those operate, you know, with 5e and the Druid, the Druid spell list is insane in 5e. It's yeah. like so many spells. There's no way, there's no, no way that I could like know what, what he's going to pull out and he can, he can pull any of them at any time in 5e. You could pull any of them at any time. Pretty so much. It, I will say in 5e, uh, I played a Druid in, uh, Curse of Zach's Stride. Curse of Stride campaign, and I held on to that heat metal for a while, mm-hmm. and that is still to this day my favorite five E spell is heat metal. Like 
it, it's well I, that casting of it specifically no no i no heat metal mm. is a phenomenal spell for the level of spell that it is like i was i was reading articles that were like love letters to that spell the other day uh but i held it out for a long time and finally got to use it on the on the boss um in terms of starfinder with mike um I didn't get to use um, Bodyguard Vigilance, which let, lets me bodyguard multiple people. I was trying to use it for so long, but I didn't just have the right situation to use it for a good long time. Yep. Absolutely. But when you used it, it was great. Yeah. Well, I've got to have people, two different people at least, like within five feet of me that are both getting attempted to get hit, you know? Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say for my part, I don't have a lot of experience in this, but I, I sat on speak with animals for a long time in hacky sack heroes. Cause I did. I mean, we've come across a few different animals and I haven't used it because I, as a GM hate it. You know what I mean? Like I hate it when somebody has speak with animals. Cause it's like, okay, now I have to think of how this bird this chicken is going to talk to. No, that's person. literally what Heath did to me in Curse of Stride. I know. Was I know constantly, the, right, constantly, right, right, and it right. was some of the most fun that I had. It really was. Well, we're but glad like, you had fun. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you had fun too. You weren't GMing. Get out of here. <laughs> All right, what we got? Let's hit All that right. next one. Yeah, next question. Uh, this one's specifically for you, Zach, from Sir Newt. Uh, if any, what were some of Oren's childhood nicknames? Uh, a Uron. <laughs> Don't mess it. You done fucked up, A Uron. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. That's all uh, I got for you, Newt. <laughs> okay. Um, let's see. This last one, I really want uh, Adam to be here. I'm not sure uh, what emergency he's just jetted off to take care of. Probably had to pee. <laughs> Probably. Oh well, Josh. Let's keep it rolling. Yeah, I guess uh, I guess we'll keep it rolling. This is still a question for you, though, Zach. Uh, from Old Scratch Johnson, Zach, what role do you think each player is going to take at the table? For example, the troublemaker, the RPer, the mom, the rules lawyer, etc. Uh, Adam will be the rules lawyer for sure. Um, I think that. Oh gosh! I mean, are, are those my options? Do I have to come up with no, other no? Options? Like come, come up with any. Like those are just examples. Oh, oh shit, dude! There's no telling. Heath is going to be the troublemaker. Heath I don't gonna... think that's true at all. Yeah, I, no, you don't, I don't realize think that's true at all. No, what I mean is that you will want to do a thing that will cause big trouble for me without that's, you. But realizing. that's not what that means. Like the the troublemaker is not. I make you annoyed at the again. Of again, the game. you're arguing semantics that have not been defined. <laughs> so, that, I, I so my interpretation I'm, of my, my troublemaker. I think that's fair assessment, personally. I, I don't think it's fair at all. You're just well, in a GM club. Yep, the, I am. The troublemaker is making <laughs> trouble that could get the whole party in trouble. Like you're just talking about me doing mechanics that are annoying for you to have to sort through. Yes. That's specifically you're making trouble for me as the GM. <laughs> right. So, the, the, you know, as this was a question addressed to Zach, I think he gets to def- he gets to define the terms as he sees them. Well, then I don't want to hear shit about arguing semantics. <laughs> yeah, no, that's the point is just let me say it and then we move on. <laughs> so what uh, were the other- anyway, uh, the, the, I think that John will be the mom. 
Uh, Emily will be the RP -er. Um, You know, I'm not really sure how Josh is going to handle Flat for Your Die yet. We'll just have to see. Hmm. I, I thought you were going to say that I was the troublemaker. For no, you're work. the rules lawyer. The in rules terms lawyer. of that, okay. yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I definitely will be that. But. Yeah, for sure. And I and I'm, I'm going to need that because God knows I don't know all the rules. Two years into this thing, I still don't know all the rules. Yeah. Just so uh, as I go to kind of piggyback off of that question, uh, bipolar pop tart just asked. Uh, rolling off of this. Who do you think is going to be the one to make the batshit insane decision in a pivotal it in a pivotal I've moment? I've already answered that question, Heath. <laughs> I think you, that's. I think you're think so you, far the thing off. is, no, dude, you won't know that it's batshit insane. This will be. This is a cool character moment for me, and it'll like it'll make something. Well, and, and I don't think you should difficult. be like so like opposed to having that attributed to you, Heath. That's what you do. You're the fucking wild card that like make shit happen you know what it's i mean like, i mean it's fine i just think you're both so biased in terms of like relating it to gming not like narrative you know i mean i can answer yeah, of course we are because we're yeah. your gm <laughs> like that's that's without a doubt coloring our experience and our answers to this question you know because it's being asked from a GM perspective, you know? Yep. So like, all right. So anyway, next question. Yeah. It's going to be the last question for the evening. I believe, uh, Porter Paladin asks, how difficult is it to manage your character's equipment? Do you ever find yourself forgetting to upgrade an item that has become under leveled? Hmm. This is to everybody. I try to stay on top of my gear, but I mean, I'm, I'm definitely letting my, um, my Solarian weapon crystal slip. Uh, on Orin because damn those things are expensive dude Ain't they get cheap. they get pricey yeah yeah so, I mean well, it's because you don't have to buy a weapon so right exactly yeah. I mean weapon crystals aside I have the same exact same problem like I I would love to keep up with everything I could but I just can't afford it yeah that's that's like the weird push and pull of the Starfinder economy right like you can really only level up your gear once every three levels. Because it takes about three levels to get the funds you need for the next upgrade. So you have to like buy the best set of armor you can get at when you do. And then that's got to carry you for three levels. Weapons, you'll tend to find drops on those a little bit more. You know, you might find something that, but it doesn't matter as much because that scales up with your, with your character abilities, but your armor doesn't really so you'll be sitting pretty at like level six but come 10 you you feel like really exposed mm -hmm. on your armor you know like that's that's how i'm feeling right now with weldy we just hit and as again that's the only thing that i can relate to but like i started off strong with the armor because emily gave us like a little extra money than that we wouldn't normally have just to kind of give us some things but now like I wasn't able to upgrade his armor this time around with the upgrade because I spent it on other stuff. And, you know, I'm sitting at a 14-14 at level four. Like, I'm going to get hit most of the time right now, you know. Mm -hmm. It's going to have to be next level when I upgrade my armor. And <laughs> it's a whole level of getting the shit knocked out of you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I've found as a player mostly 
I don't upgrade the items themselves. Uh, you know, I, I'm more looking for drops. Any any loot that drops is is likely going to be my next upgrade if it's you know applicable to my character, and that's it's been that way for pretty much every tabletop game that I've played. Maybe it's just a me thing, uh, the not liking spending however much or however many credits or however much gold on whatever item, but I, I feel that chances are I'm going to find something eventually that replaces you know, my, my club with, you know, some sort of badass battle axe or something. I don't know. Well, and you've gotten, you've gotten lucky on some good armor drops, mm -hmm. like for sure the, from the get go, because, you know, you're the only other one that could do heavy armor, right? Yep. Yeah. And so like Mike, his whole build is about making his own armor. So he was oftentimes like foregoing any heavy armor drops. So you got, I mean, you got that Aeon. Yeah, armor, I mean, like right out the gate, you know, like, I mean, I can't help but take to the general grievous board that like <laughs> crafting is bullshit in Starfinder. Like well, there is no there's no than buying, you know, that, that's bullshit. Right. People right. who make things do it cheaper than going and buying that product. That is what crafting is like, unless you're just build, you're building spaceships, you know, but like crafting should be cheaper. Than, than just buying an outright set. Yeah, the only benefits to crafting is that repairing anything that you craft is cheaper. But that's like doesn't feel like enough. I agree with you, Heath, that it doesn't... Crafting could be better in Starfinder. It doesn't... Well, and it's like, it, it'd be... I would accept for the time being, because I'm so mad about crafting, if I could, like, it, say I get an armor drop, nobody wants to use it, let me use its full value in... um not credits, but in, in UPBs, UPBs, right. But right. it's still 10%. Like I can only 10% well, of a piece of armor to help build a piece of armor. All right. So to, to, to make you feel better tonight, this was something I've already been thinking. I'm going to go ahead and tell you now here live on, cause it's alive, you know, uh, <laughs> is that, that was, that was already my plan to do for you. Um, that if, you take an armor and decide to like convert armor specifically for UPBs for armor. Yeah. You can get it at cost, you know, like you can, right. You can trade that armor in because essentially what the game wants you to do is keep changing armor. It's like destiny in that sense is that you just keep waiting to get the better armor and you replace your armor and you replace your weapons. Like that's, that's the, that's the loot mode of, of Starfinder. You know, but like it's a gear treadmill. Yeah. yeah. Right. Then don't make crafting a thing. Well, but that's the thing is like the I think that I we can make it work without it's not breaking the economy of the game. Is that if you want to convert armor into armor specific UPBs so you can make the armor that you want, then like I, I have no problem with that. Yeah. That's that's like already something that I was gonna do going awesome going forward well i mean and that's I, I've been I like thinking about it a lot you know i mean i i like the specificity of it it's like you can't just convert armor upbs and make a big gun right mm -hmm. it's got to be specifically armor but like that makes sense like they, they would have very similar parts very similar mechanisms you know mm -hmm. and like since i mean you know i started the game with very little knowledge about starfinder but i knew crafting was a thing so i was like okay well i want to be a crafter but specifically i want to be an armor crafter right like, he's not a weapon crafter mike doesn't make weapons and he never has 
Like he just makes armor because that's what he's good at. Mike has been all about the gear treadmill when it comes to weapons. He's oh, yeah, carried yeah. every weapon that's been I'll in the game. I'll carry five weapons point, at, a, at a time. It's yeah. fine. <laughs> but I want to make my own armor. Like I, I don't want to ever wear an armor that I didn't make because that's special to Mike. That's right. personal to him, you know? And so I should be able to do that. Right. I agree. I agree. Well, cool. I, I fully support that decision. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, that uh, that wraps up the listener questions for tonight. Wow! Thank you for your questions, everyone. There's some good questions in there for sure. You get yeah. you, you, somebody threw some uh, spice into the pot with some of those questions, and I like it. I'm here <laughs> for it. Yeah. I like it. All right. Well, I reckon that's it, huh? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're excited to be here. Thanks for coming on the show and and joining us, Zach, as the GM of uh live and let fly uh upcoming and just the you know the the man behind our advance uh and thanks for all our listeners for being here we've got exciting stuff coming up in the future that we're all really excited about and hope you will be too yeah absolutely Indeed. thanks for having summer me guys. 2021 blockbuster live and let fly mm-hmm. six billion dollars six billion dollar <laughs> opening weekend <laughs> avengers uh, what yeah huh <laughs> All right. Well, I guess there's only one thing <laughs> left to say, guys. We'll see you. We'll, we'll see you. Yeah, we'll That's see you. Right.